Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Brittany Renee Experience. Today, we have an incredible guest with an incredible story. So I hope you are prepared and ready to just have your mind blown by how far this guest has come and just her beauty, her radiance, and her energy. We have Bali Rodriguez on with us today. This is a former model and actress who has gone through her spiritual awakening. She has really figured out who she is at soul level, and she has gone through many dark nights and has come out on the other side ready to share this new version, this new avatar of self. So Bali, welcome. Everyone, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a blessing and an honor to be here. Um, thank you, uh, Brittany, for inviting me. It's um, it's like, oh, I think I told you, it's like, it's my first podcast. So Yay. I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I guess we're here to share a crazy, funky, kind of dangerous story, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was always known for being very, very extreme, like extreme, like it was always black and white and like very, very extreme levels of black and white in my life. And, but, um, I don't know, like I'm a Leo, um, I was born August 8th, like my full, like gate opener, lion gate opener. <laughs> or, yes. Um, so, um, I always was very like, I never had fear. I was always fearless. I don't know, like, but I had rage, you know, like now that I look back, like there was so much rage inside of me in the beginning of my life, but it all comes back to a very, very difficult childhood. I was very, I was born very sick um, because my mother took a bunch of medications when I was mm. in, in the womb. Um, and uh, that kind of scaled me to like being very sick from, from youth. And then I was kind of like Asperger but they didn't know it was Asperger when I was like young and I had suicidal tendencies and all these I was a weirdo you know and um and so people in school would bully me because they didn't understand me and all this stuff and anyways I, I, I think that whole thing like grew me into rage and I was not born in a clean, clean body you know I wasn't born in a clean body I was full of medication they were antidepressives and my mother had a mania bipolar thing. And so she took all these medications and, and she was very depressed when she gave birth to me. So, um, I have, I've had to work through all of this, you know, yeah. um, it was very hard, but, um, yeah, but they basically kind of threw me into like a rage in my life and made me who I am in the end, you know, like I'm, I'm still grateful about all this, you know, hurt. I mean, hurtful experiences that I went through because I mean, that definitely is what made me go out into the world. And I remember I was like 12 years old and I told my parents, listen, just wait, wait till I'm 18. I'm leaving the house. I will not be here by, by the time I'm 18, I'm leaving. Hated being home. I mean, I hated my, my childhood, and so actually it happened that I, I met a Australian model in Costa Rica. I was 15 years old and he was 27 and we fell in love. Oh, <laughs> and I love a love story. <laughs> yeah, we, we fell in love. And I mean, yeah, I had my mother had been Miss Costa Rica here in Costa Rica. And so she kind of started me modeling when I was young, but then I started getting baby fat and whatever. So we stopped and then. 15 years old, I come, I'm kind of looking better, you know, and then um, I was already kind of doing a lot of drugs by then. Um, and then um, 
I met the I meet this guy, you know, this Australian model. I didn't know he was like a super a super model, like Australian guy, you know, right? I had no clue, but I met him here at the beach and we kind of like hit it off and I don't know, I was very unsure. He was like very much older than I, you know, he had kind of already gone around the world when we met and but I just I don't know, we kind of clicked and and so in the end, I was having trouble with my mom and my my dad. My dad my dad was kind of not present during those times of my life, and so um, I don't know. Like we had my mom and I had this horrendous fist fight, like literally, like fist fight, yeah. simply because she was mad at that I hadn't like uh, fixed my room or something. Like she had one of her like bipolar bipolar moments and. I was literally in the computer with my boyfriend, with Julian at that time. And I don't know, she just came in and she started hitting me. And because I hadn't like fixed up my room and I was like, I don't know, I was a teenager. And I so I just got up and I punched her back and then we started on this fight. And of course, this was the only time this ever happened. I mean, now she's like my best friend, but um, we went through. Yeah, yeah. And so um, we had this fight my boyfriend Julian had to separate us and my I had asked I had actually asked three months before this happened I asked my parents and I told them listen I'm doing a lot of drugs um I would like to get off of school because all my all my friends are doing too many drugs and I'm doing too many drugs now and I think they kind of didn't believe me my mom did believe me but my dad kind of denied it and so not they I told them I would like to go move to Australia with Julian because he invited me to go to Australia with me with him but I had to get a visa and I was 15 years old right so of course they said no you know like you're 15 years old um and so you know I was kind of bummed out and then this kind of tension with my mom started building up and then this huge fight you know you know we 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 punched each other you know and it was kind of horrendous but that's actually the reason why my dad basically got pissed off and he's like, okay, come on, how is this happening? This is like a telenovela, you know, like uh, like a soap opera, you know, come on guys, what's going on? And and um, and so basically told me, I'll pay for your visa, get out of here, you know? And so, you know, I moved actually to, with Julian to the beach to actually a, a South, very beautiful like jungle area here in Costa Rica, nothing around. It kind of, kind of was good for me because I detoxed a bit. Um, and I was able to kind of clean up and get through, you know, whatever paperwork I had to do for my visa. And then we ended up moving to Australia. I was 16 years old. Um, and so it's, you know, I'm in Australia and I'm living with this guy. Like I had never lived with a guy. I didn't know how to, I didn't even know how to cook eggs for myself or anything. I didn't know how to like wash clothes or anything. So it was kind of like an impactful moment. And then I'm, I basically had to, you know, he told me, he's like, well, you know, we need to pay bills. So we need to get you doing something. And I mean, of course he had been a model. So he's like, okay, let me teach you like what you got to do. So it was kind of rough because <sighs> he was a little hard on me. Like now that I go back, he was a little hard on me on like, because I still had baby fat, I was still I was still was a teenager. I, I didn't have a perfect body. I was kind of chunky because I was very tomboyish. Um, and so it took me a while. And I, I went through all these kind of like diet 
testings because uh, I was trying to like find a diet that I could eat as much as I want, but that I, I had to be as skinny as possible, right? So I went through all these yo-yo diets or whatever, and then I found uh, a couple in Australia, and they were like a raw food couple. And so that's where I learned how to do raw vegan food. And I was like, wow, I love this. And I can eat it as much as I want. And I'm skinny. And then all I have to do is work out. So that was like, like, that was the beginning of me becoming vegan. Um, and well, actually, went with this boyfriend, Julian, he actually taught me how to be pescatarian. So first I started pescatarian. And then I started going to the raw vegan diet or the vegan diet and vegetarian diet and and so that's where my modeling started and I mean I lived in Sydney Australia for two and a half years I mean my career was kind of slow because I was building a portfolio but then we decided to move to Miami so we lived in Miami and then uh that's where my career my like my career started exploding I was doing a lot of money on catalogs like lingerie catalogs you know uh tv commercials anything commercial I was on it you know <laughs> <laughs> so, because I was a, I was not a, obviously not, I was not a catwalk model. I, I was, I'm not very tall, um, but I was an excellent photo model. So um, I did very well there. And so basically, I don't know, like I believed a lot in myself. My my agency in Miami was like, oh no, we don't want you to go to Europe, and uh, I, we don't think you're gonna make it in Europe, and and blah blah blah. And I was like, you're kidding me? I'm going. Um, like tell me no and I'm buying my ticket <laughs> exactly and, and that's how I did I did buy my ticket and because I mean my boyfriend was wanted to go to Europe I mean he had agencies already in Europe and so we ended up going to Europe anyway and so I'm in Europe and I'm like okay so I'm here find me an agency so they didn't like that um, but I guess I was making them a lot of money with catalogs back then and so they kind of didn't want me to go further right. further my career but uh, I ended up getting agencies all over Europe Milano Spain um everywhere there and so you know it just kind of exploded after that I mean the career was you know wonderful I loved it I was able to kind of build a huge portfolio in Europe and then I moved back to and I moved to New York City for the first time in 2006 like 2006 yeah 2006 and that's where like my career like went to another level and then I became like a top commercial model in New York and I was making like my modeling day rate was like 5k a day for any shoot wow. uh, and you know Victoria's Secret model models start at seven grand a day you know so I was very close and then my agency actually almost uh on 2007 we had a contract for me to start Victoria's Secret catalog um but unfortunately um I lost the momentum of my career in the 2008 crisis. So um, that's where I kind of spiraled down, like again, in depression and doing a lot of cocaine. Like I always did cocaine and I, do, I always did all, all these other drugs and I partied and I experienced, I was always all about, I want to experience life to the maximum. I don't, I didn't care what I had to do. I just, I was never afraid, you know? So yeah, I mean, I partied a lot, like all models did, you know, like, you know, you get taken out, like with promoters to the best clubs and stuff. Um, but, you know, there was points in my life where I just, I just used drugs to go down the hole, you know, just right. to, to you to kind of like binge on my depression or, you know, and so I lost the momentum of my career. You know, I was almost about to become a Victoria's Secret model. You know, back in those days, it was like the best Victoria's Secret model. I mean, now it's a lot, changed a lot. 
Um, and you know, it kind of hit me hard. You know, I lost the contract a lot. I mean, all New York models in 2008, we all, the most, almost all of us went broke. So I lost my apartment. I lost everything. I had to call Costa Rica, call my dad. And I'm like, Hey dad, I'm broke. So it's kind of like after building my career for like 15 years or something, it was like a big hit, you know, it's like, I was already there, you know, but, um, so then I, I ended up like, you know, binging on, on cocaine again a lot. And then I moved, but I moved back to Costa Rica and, um, my dad helped me set up a modeling agency. Um, so I opened actually the first pioneer, like the, I pioneered the first modeling agency in this country to, um, actually help models here have international careers. So um, the, no one here in Costa Rica knew how models had portfolios. No one know, knew anything. Like they didn't know how to build a real model. It was actually, if if I hadn't been taken by the Australian model into the whole business, I mean, I would have never known how to start. So it was thanks to him. And so I, I ended up opening this modeling agency. It was called Unique Model Management. And I loved it. I had the agency for like nine years. Um, and I obviously, I sent models all over the world. And that was a very successful kind of business. Um, and then I decided to close it in 2015. I, I was I was with another boyfriend that was as junky as I was. And we were just like guns and roses, just full on like, like drugs and rock and roll all day. And it was like one of the strongest love stories. Like it was just chemical, like just, ah, so incredible. <laughs> Hard to <laughs> Yeah. It was like, a, like one of those like heartbreaking, but just like so chemically like explosive relationships. And, uh, but I, I had to end, I had to end it because we were both like just destroying each other. Um, and so, I moved back to New York and I was like, okay, so I closed the agency. I was tired. Uh, I was tired of dealing with the market here. It has been, it was actually very hard. I mean, people didn't understand what it's like to have a modeling contract. They didn't like it. They wanted to be independent. And they, you know, like it, it, it's kind of, I had to go against the flow. I mean, people were used to seeing just models giving out hat, like flyers on malls and things like that, not like doing actual jobs. And I fought for models to actually have big day rates here. Like, I, I mean, one of Costa Rica's like top models nowadays. I mean, I used to get for her like a thousand dollars for a catwalk here in Costa Rica. And that was like unheard of, you know. And but then anyways, I had some other competing, starting competing agencies and they started doing everything for free and running the market and blah, blah, blah. So like, I kind of get it started getting tired of it. And I never stopped to heal my own depression i just kept going you know kept pushing kept pushing kept pushing kept pushing and and i just ignored everything everything that i was feeling right on all the pressure and even even this huge responsibility of opening an agency and now providing for others and, and all of this so it just became like a huge deal and anyways i moved back to new york my agency's like oh great Polly, we love you and but now you've got to do social media and i'm like I mean, you're kidding me. Like I have a, have a great portfolio. Why do I have to start from scratch? They're like, well, now, now clients, they want to see followers. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, Jesus, like, I, I can't believe I have to start over. And so anyways, I started doing social media, but I hated it. 
I hate it. I just, I was tired, you know, like I had already, I had already reached the top, you know, I mean, going back to the top again, is going to require way too much effort. And I was tired. I was just like, like done. And so I, I tried the first two years in New York were kind of good. Like I got work and everything, but then you had to drag me to castings. You had to drag me and you had to drag me to do posts and social media. Like, I don't know. I just, it wasn't my thing. And, um, and so I don't know, like I kind of, that's, this is where I started kind of like feeling like I was not in the right place anymore. You know, I was already kind of, I was already beginning my thirties and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to study acting. So I went and studied acting. Right. And I, I, I was great at it. I was always great. Um, and my teacher loved, you know, loved me and he wanted me to stay and everything. But I just knew, like, I, I don't want to, like, I already did the whole modeling and then the the, the model agent. And then now if I want to be an actress, I have to, you know, dive deeper into the bullshit again. And so I was just like, I know I'm not going to do this. I don't want to move to LA. And, 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 and then like, you know, I didn't have money. I, I was not getting work because I wasn't like happy going to castings and I didn't have many followers. I was like starting to freak out. I didn't have money. So um, I don't know. Then I started doing crazy things. Like um, I, I did some escorting, unfortunately. I didn't know what to do. And um, I liked the money and I didn't give a shit. You know, I mean, I was doing cocaine a lot. I mean, how can you... You know, I don't know. And I liked having my big, my big, I had a big lifestyle. You know, I needed a certain amount of money to keep myself happy every month. And I was like, well, this is kind of like the way. And there was a bunch of other models in my agency that were kind of older that were also doing it. And I was like, well, you it's know. It's a really prevalent space in that industry. Yeah. And so I was like, all right, well, so cool. I mean, there there was a, a page called uh, Seeking Arrangement in New York. <laughs> And so that's where I found my sugar daddies and, and I hanged out with some of them and they helped me out and, and I had fun, you know, and the cool thing is you ha you were able to pick with who you wanted to date, you know, so it it's, it yeah. wasn't like a, like a dirty kind of thing it was you could pick the the sugar daddy that you wanted to date. So it was kind of nice. Um, but yeah, it was uh, I started doing that and it got to a point where I started just going a little worse and I started going to Mexico to do that and and then I was like okay yeah I'm making all this money but now I'm starting to feel dirty mm. um I didn't like what I was doing and so this is where I started kind of like I reached the the rock bottom I was like what the fuck are you doing Bali like you come from a, a an incredible family in Costa Rica you know my father is a big real estate celebrity here um and my mother was Miss Costa Rica she's very well known here I was a Costa Rican supermodel or whatever you want to call it and, and now you're doing this and I was like you really went down I was like I really started feeling embarrassed of myself of what I was doing and yeah like this is a big thing like I wouldn't I mean my parents are probably gonna be pissed that I kind of say these things out in public but you know what um I've always been the type of person I just can't hide what I am or what I do. And I also hope that this story kind of helps other people. Um, and, and I just hope that it helps some other people, you know, understand and, and kind of, you know, I don't know. Like I said before, I think life is to live to the fullest. If you fuck up good, 
you know, fuck up good and just learn from it if you if you come out of the, the mistake, right? Um, and I'm learning from my mistakes, right? And so I did, and I, I realized, I realized that I was not in a good space and I was doing a lot of cocaine and I was uh, like, okay. And then a friend popped in from Costa Rica in New York and he was like, you know, like I'm selling vegan products in Costa Rica, I'm importing. And I was like, oh, wow, that's a great thing. And I wanted to do something else, but I didn't know what to do because I, I had been a model since I was 16 years old. I didn't, I, I didn't finish school. I didn't go to university. I didn't know what to do. How did, how, I mean, I had no way to figure out like what I want to do next. Like, I don't know where, where to jump in. I don't know what I'm good at except modeling. So I was like, I was freaking out. It was like a crisis. And I remember I took some acid with a friend of mine and I was like, all right, this is going to be the, the decision maker. And, and actually it was like, this trip was like, you need to go back to Costa Rica. And so I remember I was like, I felt relieved. I was like, all right, so I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm quitting all this escorting BS and, and I'm, I'm going to go and work doing uh, selling vegan products with a friend in Costa Rica. And it just sounds amazing. Uh, and so I was like, oh, okay, wait a second. Okay, so I'm going back to Costa Rica where there's a ton of cocaine, top quality and very cheap. And you want to go back? No, I can't go back if I don't do work on, if I don't work on myself or I'm going to end up worse. Right. So all your edges, everything was, everything was touched. Exactly. And so I was like, oh, damn. All right. So I was in New York. It was October 2017. And I was watching Gaia. I, 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 I've been subscribed to Gaia. I mean, I've learned so much from Gaia. I, I don't know, like some documentary about some shaman like came up. Uh, it, I remember it was called uh, Shamans of the Global Village with Octavio Retic. And I watched it and I was like, oh, that's what I have to do. And basically he talks about Bufo being a medicine that helps uh, addicts with very strong chemical substances. And I was like, well, that's perfect because I don't believe in rehab. I know rehab is not going to fix someone that has been doing blow for 20 years. So, I mean, this sounds more like something I could do. And right. so I actually found this shaman on Facebook. I couldn't believe it. And I was like, I was like, awesome. Like, I need help. I, I, I'm addicted to cocaine and tobacco, like nonstop. And so he tells me, just come over for a weekend. And I'm like, awesome. Okay. I didn't know anything. He didn't prepare me. He didn't tell me anything else. Like, what do I have to take? What do I have to do? I didn't know anything. He was just like, come for a weekend. I was like, I booked my ticket. And I actually booked my ticket a week earlier. And I partied the whole week because I thought it was going to be the last time I did cocaine. So I did cocaine for five days straight. I, I didn't do alcohol. I never did alcohol. Never liked alcohol. But I did cocaine and I probably through some like opium or ecstasy or I don't know. I I, I had a friend, uh, he was a, he was a dealer and I just stayed at his house for the whole week as a friend. And so I just partied my butt off for the whole week saying, this is the last time I'm going to do blow. So I got to, you know, do it hard and say goodbye. Uh, and uh, let me tell you. I was about to say uh, that big, come down and that experience was probably way more intense. Big mistake, big mistake. And so um, I, it was a Thursday and I had to be at the shaman's house on Friday. And, you know, I had 
party blow for five days straight. I didn't sleep. I didn't eat, uh, you know, and I get to his house and, you know, there's a lot of people wait, waiting their turn and you know, I'm kind of there and they give, they actually give me combo. Uh, they put combo on me. I didn't feel anything. I just felt a little like heart palpitations and a little heat, but I didn't feel anything. I didn't purge. I didn't anything. Wow. And, um, and then I wait for my turn and okay, so it's my turn. And I'm like, I have this huge ego, right? Cause I mean, I've taken trips and acid and I've done, I had done, you know, GHB, I had done uh crack. I've done, I, I've done everything, just not heroin, heroin, but I took all drugs you could possibly, possibly imagine. So I have this big ego and I'm like, what is, what is this guy going to give me? Right. So he's like, okay, so this is the, the you know, the buffalo, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, so it's going to be a trip. Okay. Right. Um, no, hello. Um, uh, I smoked that thing and it just sent me to the darkest hole of my life and it beat me up. I, I remember, all I remember is I was like a, a molecule this big. And someone was beating me up. And I remember seeing like the dimensions kind of like melting in purple like this. And I was just all black and I felt like I was dying. And I felt like I was fighting with dying. Like, I I, I mean, the shaman said I was purple. He, he said I was purple, like the probably like they started blowing a uh, rape into my nose to try and make me come down because I was like purple and like this or contracted. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I, I just, I had to smoke that thing like six times the same day. So believe me, it was the biggest fight for my life ever. I had mm. never felt like I was going to die ever, ever, ever. This was the scariest freaking moment of my life. Um, and so I seriously, as soon as I recovered after the last time, I got up, got, got up pissed off and I, I shouted at the shaman. I was like, what the fuck? You know, like I almost died, you know, like I'm seriously pissed. And I, I called a taxi. I was so pissed off because there were no taxis. This, this shaman's house was so far away from everything. And there was no taxis. And I just wanted to leave. And I was pissed off like, oh, that's now that I look back, I'm like, those were my spiritual parasites pissed off. Yeah. Uh, and and basically, um, I just go back to the hotel and I, I literally crash. I like I. I had prepaid two days and um, I was telling, you know, I didn't want to go back. I mean, I, I knew I couldn't go back because if I did go back again, my body's not going to make it. I knew my body was so tired from like the five days of blow. And now this, I, just, and I felt the struggle. Like I felt like I was leaving my body or something. It was, and I felt black. I felt like I was going to hell or something. It was horrible. And Anyways, I crashed, I ate and I crashed and I obviously like, I, I don't know like what happened, but I woke up at the shaman's house again the next day. I mean, the, either the lot, the, the women, the woman from the lobby, from the hotel lobby, she put me in the taxi or something. I had already prepaid the taxi to pick me up and everything. So I guess they all brought me out of the room and put me in there or something. I don't know, but I, I woke up. I, I mean, I was, I could barely like walk. Like I was so exhausted. And they put me in the taxi and I, the taxi guy's like, senorita, senorita, we're here. And I'm like, uh, and, and then I'm like, oh my God, I'm at the shaman's house again. I, I wasn't going to come here. 
And um, I was like, okay. So I've been doing cocaine my whole life, you know, ever since I remember. And now, you know, and I tried to kind of kill myself or not like my life for so long. And now I want to pussy out of death after I've looked for it for so long. So I was like, you know what? Fuck it. No, no one's waiting for me. I'm just going to go die. I'm just going to go for it. I'm just going to confront it. And so I said, let's go death. Let's, let's meet each other. And so I went and I smoked that thing. And uh, this was a crazy experience. Like as soon, as soon as like I let go, like I smoked that and I let go, I was like, yeah, just take me. I had my vision open, like my vision open. And I saw my brain and my, I saw like my brain, like get slit in the middle here and open up a lid. And then I saw all my brains in there having like an electric circuit. And then I saw my soul or my energy field kind of doing this electric circuit here. And they just jump out of my brain and blow out into the, into the space or the sky or whatever. And it was the strongest, most non-human orgasm the strongest thing you could possibly ever experience it was traumatic like I remember I was having this orgasm and I was like this is traumatic this is so strong it's traumatic like too traumatic like too strong like you couldn't possibly feel that in a human body it's just just too strong and so anyways I ended up in in uh space and I remember just being like this little ball like this little yellow ball like floating out in in the in the universe and i could see the whole spiral of the universe it's like mm -hmm. and out and i was completely detached and i had forgotten who i was that i had i was having junkie problems or drug problems or whatever i was just hanging hanging outside looking at the at the um, at the spiral of the universe and then i don't know like a bunch of photons of light just started kind of coming back and, and then I, I opened my eyes and i'm back and i'm here and i'm like ah oh, i didn't die oh my god and so that was the first time in my life that i felt grateful to be here wow and that's that experience actually caused me to have panic attacks for the rest of a year and medicine like the medicine would activate like every if i tried Oh, there were so many times I tried a little bit of like marijuana or something. I had a full activation. I, I panicked. Uh, they had to take me to the hospital a couple of times because I started seeing like the the spiral of the universe open up in my in my like door and my roof. Uh, <laughs> seriously, like like a psycho. Your like, soul was like, and we're done. <laughs> no, like it like I was started. I was hallucinating the the whole medicine experience in my room, and I could see the spiral, and I thought it was gonna like swallow me again or something. Uh, so yeah, if there was a, it was kind of scary, and it started giving me panic attacks. But something really strange happened, and um, I don't know what that medicine did, but it kind of like so I did that in October 2017, and. Uh, December end of December 2017 I was already down in Costa Rica and my dad had this beautiful gorgeous farm in in Alajuela it's, I don't know it was like one hectare farm he was selling no one was there so he told me go live there and so it had a huge pool a bunch of dogs uh and so I was like this is like perfect and I had just come off from this and I don't know just intuitively I started meditating and I I had been a cocaine addict for so long. I didn't know how to meditate. I had never taken meditation classes or breathwork classes or any of this. So this was all very strange, but I don't know. It was seven o'clock in the morning. I just started meditating. 
So I just like went down into the breathing and something happened. I just kind of became addicted now to the meditation. Mm. Now, all this time on the farm, I started meditating four or five hours straight or even longer some days. And constantly, every day, same time, right in front of the pool, in front of the sun. And I would pray. And and I started like, you know, attracting all these like spiritual stuff on my Instagram. And I'm like, this is all weird. Like, what is And then I started seeing about Ascension and and about, uh, and then I saw Dr. Jody Spencer. And then I was like, oh, wait. Um, like, okay, so I saw some things about spiritual stuff and synchronicities. And I started having these. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what is all this? This All, all this stuff is new. All like, attraction. Yeah. And and I was like, uh, all of these like cool spiritual stuff, you know, and, um, and then suddenly like one day I'm out, I'm out, I come out to my meditation uh, spot, like at the pool in front of the sun, seven o'clock in the morning. And, you know, I had been, the shaman told me you need to continue doing medicines because you have a lot to heal, right? You're not going to be, you know, you're probably going to relapse a couple of times. So what I started doing was doing, I would do blow every three months just for a weekend and then continue doing plant medicine during those during during that time. So I continue healing. And that's what I did for two more years until February 2020, which was the last time I did low. Now four years sober, thank God. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> so much celebration. Yeah. And so um, but anyways, I was sitting, I was doing all this plant medicine work. Okay. And then I was meditating, not knowing either what meditation would do or or the or what plant medicine work could do to me. I had no idea. Okay. It's like, I jumped into this world without knowing what things could happen. And like I said, I've never, I never did meditation. Never did, you know, I, I did do yoga, but not meditation. So I didn't know that meditation could give you a spiritual awakening. And so, Oh yes. Oh my God. This was the biggest thing. And then, um, one day, like I said, I came out seven o'clock in the morning to the same spot and meditate. And literally within the first two minutes that I sat down, I started feeling like a hot liquid come up from my coccyx. It was a hot liquid. And I was like, just sitting in my meditation, I'm like feeling this hot liquid and it's going up my lower back all the way up to my neck. And then it goes all the way into my third eye. And it's like a splash of light, almost like yeah, like a splash of light. And then, and then I start seeing, it's almost like I had my eyes closed, but I could see. So it's like, I I was able to see with my eyes closed, like, so I was like crazy. And then I start seeing the blue sky, right, with my eyes closed in meditation. And I start seeing the left eye of Ra come down and go through me. And then I saw a, a rainbow, a full rainbow come down and go through me. And it was like the most ex, like ecstatic or beautiful experience I had ever had. And I was sober. And I was like, oh, my God. But then I got scared because immediately after the rainbow, I saw three ET faces, like just like floating in front of me. And I, I freaked out and I panicked and 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 I stood up. And I, was, I But after that day, I was never the same. It's like I blew open my third eye. Yeah, Kalini awakening. I had a full on and uh, I didn't know what it was. The thing is, that's the problem that I had. If anybody would have told me what I was going through, I would have calmed down, but I didn't know what it was. And this started creating a lot of stress. Uh, First, because I was detoxing from 20 years of cocaine. So that was already stressful. 
Um, second, I was doing a lot of plant medicine work, so so much so that I started making it a business and I started bit like building retreats uh, and doing that. So from 2018 till to 2020, I had a retreat business, like a plant medicine retreat business, but I was also cl cleaning myself up. I wasn't perfect yet. And so um, I start. I was doing all this and now I have this spiritual awakening. I didn't know what it was. And I start having like strange beings come to me every single day, either when I close my eyes sober or when I was sleeping, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I had insomnia because every night, either a fairy or a dwarf or an angel or an ET, I was abducted three times, would would come and do something. And or or sometimes they I remember one ET, they came into my brain. They were doing something inside my brain and it freaked me out. And then another one did something inside my stomach. And anyways, it was I started I started freaking out. I started freaking out. I seriously thought I lost it. I didn't know who to ask for help. And and then the pandemic hit. And then that's when I got sick from my stomach. And then I now I understand I got sick from chronic stress, like high levels of chronic stress. Yeah. So um, um, simply not knowing, not knowing what I got myself into. I mean, just pure ignorance. Um, but it, it has been magical experience. I mean, I, I am a very strong person. I mean, I guess maybe that's why I went through it this way. But and I, like I said, I always like extreme stuff and difficult situations. So. You took the route every time. <laughs> so, so I guess that's why I went through it. I mean, I have to say the hardest thing about this has been healing and finding the right doctors here in Costa Rica that understand what I'm going through. Like none of them understood. Like the first two years were, but, and then again, like, um, like I, I got sick in 2020, um, and it was not from COVID, but like, but like, you know, basically so much stress because I was panicking. I didn't know what to do. I was having Your panic attacks. I, I couldn't go to a doctor and tell a doctor, listen, I'm seeing ETs. I'm being abducted. I'm like, I, you know, people are going to think you're crazy. And I didn't even know if I was crazy or, or sane, you know? So it was very, very hard, but I had so many magical experiences, so many magical experiences. I mean, I, I, I did meet some like guides or you know ETs that I felt like knew for forever like it was like the biggest love to meet some of them and I was like oh my god like I missed you so much where have you been you know yes um and family yeah and and I remember one of uh, one of those ET abduc abduction uh, things I had uh, they came to me and they told me that I come from a race of tigers so I mean, that's all I was able to get um, from them. They told me, you come from a race of tigers. That's all I got, I guess. And they also told me that I had to work. I was going to have to work on my ego. And I think, and then I had that other abduction of Aniti doing something in my stomach. I don't know if they, they did this to me on purpose or I, or I did this, or maybe actually they gave me that dream so that I would understand that something that was happening to my stomach was going to happen um in the end i feel like they did help me like in a way they told me like something's going on in your stomach and your ego and all this and um yeah i mean i i mean now that i look back i never felt like i was human i, I think i i i never felt as human as i am now because i'm sober um 
I have compassion. I had never suffered before in my life. And now I, I know what it's like not to have health. Yeah. Now, now I feel sorry for people that are sick, people that have lost a leg, people that have, you know, like I never felt that before. Starting to learn how to, what it's like to be a human. It's like I'm a baby, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like I'm learning little, like small, like lessons that maybe you've learned back when you were young, but I, I didn't, I couldn't learn them because I was always on cocaine or, you know, kind of running away from feeling and, you know, and so, yeah, it's been kind of heavy, but so many magical experiences. And I, I learned that dreams are my way of connecting with what's going on subconsciously and in the higher realms. Beautiful. I understand now that, I mean, I have dreams all the time that are kind of premonitory or that kind of let me know that something's going to happen. Like I have that happen all the time, all the time. Um, and I, I'm learning uh, I'm obviously seeing how like my psychic abilities are opening up and that's very cool. Sometimes I get scared and right, well, right now I have to be very careful because I'm still regulating my nervous system. I don't want to scare myself too quickly. I mean, I want to heal completely. Believe me, I want my body back. Um, and I want my powers back because I know that when I had that Kundalini, I had like two years of bliss. And anyways, I studied a little bit about what the Kundalini was. I, I read Bonnie Greenwell's books and, yes. and, and other people. Right. Um, and apparently you have a Kundalini and the first, like, I mean, it depends how long it, it you know, you, you keep that energy without something happening, but usually you have like this, the, the state of bliss at the beginning I mean, it took me two years of bliss. It was like, I was in ecstasy. I felt like Buddha, Gandhi, Jesus, like nothing would stop me. I mean, I've, I even thought, man, like if I if I get run over by a, by a truck right now and die, I'm probably going to die happy just because I was in such a high vibrational state uh, because of that Kundalini. Um, but then I learned that after you go through that, heightened state where you, you kind of your mind gets so enlightened that your body your body has to catch up and cleanse and cleanse so then you go through the cleansing phase or, or the purging phase as they call it yeah and, and so i'm purging from cocaine from kundalini from everything it was this two most horrible first years of my life and then I had that dysbiosis, the intestinal dysbiosis. And apparently, um, from what I hear, I mean, plant medicine also kind of changes your chemistry, especially if you're using it for um, cleansing from drugs. Yes. And yes. so it kind of does change your chemistry. And so, I mean, it makes sense that if I have an had an intestinal dysbiosis, it was also because of all the change that I was causing in my body because I was, I was changing character. Yes. You know? skins so yeah that's pretty much kind of like what my life has been and then the last three years has just been like you know obviously dealing with covid with you know like very low immunity uh and try not to die <laughs> <laughs> trying not to die while all of that happened i mean i always got covid so many times and long covid and and then like you know i had very severe anemia because uh, some doctors here they couldn't find out like what I had um and anyways and this year I ended up uh because no doctor really they, they weren't like even my functional medicine doctor she's like well, I don't understand why you're not healing and I'm like 
well, you should know, right? You're you're supposed to know like why I'm not healing. There's so many stories though of people recently, I would say really since 2020, that it's like anomalies are walking into these offices, even of functional medicine doctors. And part of me really personally believes it's because so many of us are waking up to entirely different frequencies that what's happening at a cellular level is unexplainable in the medical world. Yeah, I I completely agree with you. I didn't, I mean, I I guess you speak to more people that are going through these things because I mean, I didn't know. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think, and now I'm learning, I'm I'm finding out that I, I mean, it's like I'm self-healing myself. I mean, I'm the one that discovered my cortisol level, level was, was off. And that's, that's why I went back and I told my doctor, okay, doctor, so you don't, you kind of can't figure out like what's wrong with me. Well, let me tell you, I have a dysregulated cortisol level because I took a, a, a course this year with uh, Primal Trust, uh, which is uh, Dr. Kath McKean, oh, sorry, I can't remember her last name, but she heals nervous system. And I learned that what I have is a dysregulated nervous system. Yes. So I have a dysregulated cortisol level. So why I'm not healing? Because my cortisol is off. So all you need to do now is treat me for that. We did the exam and yes, I was all in red, terrible like cortisol curve. Mm. Now I'm getting it treated since November. And now I started feeling regulation symptoms. And now I know I'm finally on my way and I'm going to get my my gut back and all these other like gut brain coherence like things. And, you know, I'm going to get my health back now. And it's it's simply because I just had to listen to myself. I remember at the beginning of of last year, my dad and my doctor were like, you have to stop seeing things on internet. You're going to drive yourself crazy because you're every day you you think you have something new. I mean, because, yeah, they were telling me, oh, your implants, your implants are causing you, uh, you know, the Asia symptom. And and that's why you're not healing. You have this and you have that. And they were all thinking, oh, I have Lyme's disease. Yeah, I had all kinds of symptoms. I have, I had Lyme's disease symptoms. I have POTS. They don't even know what POTS is here yet in Costa Rica. I had all these chronic symptoms, you know, and they couldn't explain it. And and then I, I started doing that course and it's like, dude, heal your nervous system. That's it. it that's and that's it. such it's- a baseline for so many people that they don't even realize. And our medical system, unfortunately, right now doesn't recognize that and it's that will cause so it wrecks havoc on your whole system entire system yeah especially since 2020 yeah oh yeah everyone's realizing they're like oh I actually am miserable in this space or this doesn't work for me or right and think like I'm so grateful that 2020 happened for so many reasons but people are waking up and like what you're doing like they're researching because the beauty of beauty of the internet is that you can find so much exactly. and you find also what resonates, right? Like if you would have taken that course and nothing resonated for you, you wouldn't have gone down that path, but you're watching someone explain things probably that you're like, wait, yeah, this, that's is all me. <laughs> this is all my stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you find answers. Mm-hmm. So I would love to know, thank you, first of all, so much for just like so vulnerably and so raw sharing you. And just the incredible journey that you've been on. What is Bali doing now? Like, what are you, I know we're healing nervous systems. I know we're like really coming into like this remembrance of like you and grounding into that humanness, but 
what are kind of aspirations, goals? What are you wanting to step into here in like the next year or so? Well, I I obviously have learned to be patient on my path. I never was. I was all, I mean, I did cocaine all the time. So I was always about like now, 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 no waiting now. Now, I mean, after all this and obviously getting sick and learning to go step by step with my body, finally being gentle with my body, which I didn't know what that meant, um, has kind of just made me go step by step. I mean, I have goals of obviously finding my financial independence again. I mean, my father, I mean, obviously I was so sick, I couldn't work. I mean, I have been working the past year and a half, like a normal job, sales and whatnot but uh I kind of want to just get back my health number one get my financial like my own financial independence and security again and I do have plans of traveling to the spiritual places that I've been wanting to go that I'm now guided to go like Egypt I want to go to Peru um I want to go to I want to go to America to meet um I found that through my journey, I have a very strong connection with Native American Indians. And so I want to, I want to find them. I want to just go find them and meet them. And um, I don't know, be of service. And I, there's a, I have a calling. I do have a calling. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have a calling to become a plant medicine shaman. I do want to be one. And I know I'm kind of old, but maybe not. I don't know. You're uh, not too old for that path. I yeah, totally I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, some shamans start early and so they get to, you know, learn a lot and go to the dietas and you know. Your but- journey was your training, right? Like many shamans now, I think we've we we have this belief system that shamans have to like take this certain route and they had to start here and the beauty of I think what's happening right now in the remembrance of where people are is that there are so many incredible medicine practitioners and shamans who have just walked this path of life that is, is like all of the edges. Like you talked about earlier, right? Like you had all this high, you had all this low, you hit all of these spaces. And ultimately it came back to like ego death kundalini awakening like plant medicine leading you home right like you communing with your higher self and now you're healing your humanness so you are doing such a beautiful full circle that's training like your life has been your training I do feel like the last three years of like my health has been like a very strong spiritual initiation I mean I walked beside death all this time you know um and you know, funny thing is I, I did some I, I opened a book from Jack Schwartz who, I don't know if you know who he is but he's a I don't know he's like an old author he's dead now but uh it was he's an amazing guy and he all his books are all about like he could see our auras mm-hmm. uh, and he he kind of like he had a gift like he basically could see auras since he was young like he didn't need training he didn't need anything he just see it and so he made all these books about it. And anyways, he had some like really cool, like a tarot kind of uh, like, like life numbers, whatever. Like you have to do this counting the numbers and then use the tarot. And it would give you like what your um, tarot card or life purpose is through the 
through the tarot card and mine was death. And, and I was like, Ooh, that hit hard. And I, I was afraid of death. Like I was afraid of death. And then I also had a very strong dream with, I don't know if you remember Thanatos, Thanatos from um, Avatar. Yes. The, the black uh, panther who was yeah. death. Again, like he, that, that being appeared to me in so many dreams, like death, 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 death. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of learning that I'm, I need to embrace death, you know, like it's, it's kind of like in my purpose now, now that it kind of, I, I understand. And so, yeah, I, I kind of want to become a shaman. Um, I want to work with Bufo actually and Combo. I'm kind of uh, called to those two medicines. Um, but obviously I got to go step by step first, heal my yes. body first, make sure that I'm stable. Cause obviously, um, I want to, I mean, I guess my story is going to be able to guide people that, you know, you want to do plant medicine the right way, knowing what it can cause, knowing the changes it can cause. Um, and, um, that's where I think I want to go. I mean, my, my, I mean, I have like a silly paper next to my bed and it says, retrain your brain you're going to become a shaman with a light body and a rainbow aura <laughs> yes that is not a silly paper that is visualization intention and manifestation and everybody on this network is all about that so completely beautiful thank you for your testimony and i am so excited to see where you end up going with shamanism and leading people and your healing journey and if people want to connect with you, if they, you know, listen today and they're just like, oh my gosh, I need to like connect with her. How can people reach out and connect to you? Um, They can just uh, send me a message on Instagram. I'm pretty, pretty open. I mean, just text, send me a direct message me on Instagram. That's kind of. And what's your what... Instagram handle? So everybody knows. My Instagram is Bali Rodriguez altogether, small letters. Amazing. We'll post that down in the description as well. So everybody, thank you so much for joining us and for listening. Bali, thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and being so vulnerable. And just this testimony I know is going to hit so many different spaces for so many different people. And so I really, really appreciate you coming on and being on your first podcast here. Blessings to everyone. Yes. I'm so excited to see where you go. For those of you who are new to the channel, I hope you enjoyed the episode today. This was definitely a beautiful testimony for all of us to see this beautiful journey that Bali is on and honoring each of your spaces as well as you are coming into remembrance of who you are and remembering that Death is actually a beautiful, beautiful card to pull from the tarot deck because it also means rebirth, right? Yes. So it's this embracing of the phoenix. So I love also that that's what you're embracing right now. For any of you guys who want to continue to hear more from incredible guests as well as myself, please subscribe to the network, to the Conscious Awakening Network, to the Brittany Renee Experience. I love you guys so much and I will see you next week. Bye. Love everyone. Bye-bye.